this is Matt. I'm the lead pastor at Westminster Baptist Church. Thanks for engaging God's word with us. My prayer for you is that this would be supplemental to your discipleship journey. Uh, if we can connect you with a local church or a discipleship group, uh, please contact us at info at discoverwbc.com. Let's look at Acts chapter 1, verses 15 through 16. This morning, I want you to be able to walk away knowing that you have an unstoppable God with an unstoppable plan, and we are an unstoppable church. Not this local church necessarily, but the global church is unstoppable because we have an unstoppable God. I want you to be able to walk away knowing that you are part of the kingdom of God, which is unstoppable. So this weekend I had the opportunity and I'm, uh, I gotta be careful here because it's summertime and I've graduated my doctorate. So there's gonna be quite a bit of, thank you. <laughs> and so there's gonna be quite a bit of, uh, of fishing uh, involved in this summer. And, uh, my, and I'm gonna use it as a ministry, but also to my family a ministry, uh, just to kind of recuperation and spending time with them. So this weekend I had the opportunity to take my daughter fishing which is just an amazing experience anyways, uh, just being able to be out in God's creation, doing something I love with my daughter, uh, five years old. Awesome trip. Yeah, you can see a picture there of Evie uh, fishing. She's five and, uh, you know, getting to go out with her, just wonderful experience. But we're fishing, which I love fishing. I love hiking, but we're fishing on my bass boat. And she's like, Dad, I want to go hiking. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess we'll go hiking because, you know, you want them to have a great time the first time they go, so they want to go back, right? So she's like, I want to climb up that mountain. I'm like, okay, let's go. So I pull my bass boat up to the side and, you know, rope it off. And we start taking off up, to, up this mountain. And all of a sudden we get to the top and she's like, Daddy, are there bears out here? And I was like, I don't know. Maybe. You know, you got to keep them on their toes. Uh, they could be. And uh, so we, she's like, okay. And, and we start walking around. Then we turn around. And we start to go downhill, descend back downhill. Well, it's pretty steep, right? So... Uh, as we started going downhill, she, I went to grab her hand, but she had a bouncy ball in her hand, a rainbow unicorn bouncy in her hand. On the other hand, she had a panda unicorn in her hand because she's on the unicorns right now. So she's walking down this hill, and I'm, like, trying to grab her hand. She's like, no, Daddy, I need my unicorn, uh, unicorns and stuff. And it gave her comfort, you know, like having their, their baby or having their blankie, whatever. It gives them kind of comfort. So I'm walking down the hill. And I'm just kind of staying at a distance, knowing that, like, if she trips, I need to grab her. So she trips, and she starts to fall, but she kind of gathers herself. She then takes the bouncy ball and shifts it over to the other hand, right, with the panda, and then grabs my hand. She's like, okay, I need this, right? But I think this is kind of how we are sometimes, right? Like, we have a plan. We have our comforts. We feel like, okay, if we, as long as we have this in our hand, we're good. Like, it feels kind of comfortable. As you're walking down, you kind of, I don't need this right now. I don't need daddy right now. I think sometimes we do this to God, like, I got what I need right now. I got my comfort right now. I don't know if I need you right now. And so all of a sudden, my daughter recognizes the need for having daddy's hand. So today, I'm not sure what plans you have in your life or what comforts you have in your life, but are you holding on to the father? Are you clinging to what the father has for you? Are you trusting in God? Or are you trusting in the things of this world? It wasn't much after that that my, as we were fishing, and man, she was hammering some fish, man, bass and brim, just pulling them in. Just so much fun, right? Which, you know, I was casting them out there and catching them. And so I would hand her the pole. And later she would tell my wife that daddy didn't catch any fish. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> swallow the pride. Uh, 
So afterwards, you know, it's, or, or we're fishing and all of a sudden, you know, she, I hand, I go to hand her the rod and reel and she's holding on to the bouncy ball and the panda. And she's like, and she's just making a decision, right? Drops the bouncy ball, bounces and goes out in the water. And so me, I'm like, oh my goodness, if I don't get this bouncy ball, you know, we're going to be going to every store trying to find a rainbow unicorn bouncy ball, Right. So I'm looking around. She's reeling in a fish. She's crying while she's reeling. And I'm just like, oh, what do I do with this situation? And so uh, apparently bouncy balls don't float, even though they look like they would. Um, they don't. So it sinks to the bottom. And there's my daughter, you know, sad, but she's got a fish. So she's pumped. And it's interesting, though. This is so applicable to my life, and I hope to yours, too. I think it's sometimes in life when we are, it, it takes kind of like having to grab a rod and reel to recognize that we're kind of, controlling things and kind of like, okay, I've got my comfort. I got my plan. I'm I'm good. And then all of a sudden this rod and reel comes in and you're like, I can't take that on too. And you drop things and you're like, okay, now I don't know what to do. And you lose it. You see, I think, I think sometimes our comforts and our just stability and our plans just kind of go out of control when something else is added in that we didn't expect. Right. I hope and pray that as you walk away today, you're able to go, God, here's my comfort. God, here's my plans. What do you want me to have? What would you have? God, here is my plans for my life. Here is my struggles. Here's my comforts. Here's everything that I, you take what you will and give me back what you want. Acts chapter one, verse 15. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers and sisters. The number of people who were together was about 120 and said, now everything about that sentence is, should just be shocking to you and would be shocking to them. Think about it. Peter, the guy who rejected Jesus, is now standing in front of the church. The early first church, which will be created into the largest movement of history, he's standing up in front of them, boldly proclaiming something. The church will continue. That's what he's about to say. The church is going to continue on. There's nothing that can stop it. He stands up in front of them to say, nothing can stop the church. It's an unstoppable church. The guy who rejected Jesus is now standing up in front of the 120. And think about it, 120 people. Where in the world did these guys come from? Where were these guys when Jesus was being led to the cross? What were they doing? Okay, so you're in an upper room. They've got nothing. They've got no financial support. They've got nothing really to cling to other than their, 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 the, the one they were following was dead and now he's alive. That's all they're clinging on to. They have not much to offer other people. And they're sort of just praying in this upper room. And Peter just stands up among them, fulfilling what Jesus said he would do, right? Peter, you're going to be the rock. And upon you, I'm going to build this church. Just stand up. Luke doesn't say it specifically here, but we see Peter. The first one to stand up with the early church is Peter. Do what God's called you to do. Verse 16. Brothers and sisters, it was necessary that the scripture be fulfilled, that the Holy Spirit through the mouth of David foretold about Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. So that brothers and sisters is kind of like a family term. It's kind of like bringing in the family. So when he stands up, his first statement is kind of just like, hey, guys, we're in this together. Right, so it could be brothers, but brothers and sisters is a better translation because when the Jews would say brothers, what they meant was the people of Abraham, the Abrahamic faith, like you're my family. So he stands up and he says, man, hey, family. Hey, family, you remember the one we lost? You remember that one who ministered with us? It says in verse 17, for he was one of our number and shared in this ministry. Do you remember the man that walked with us, that talked with us, that learned from Jesus, that performed miracles, that preached the gospel? Do you remember that guy? 
there's a reason even for him. You see, I think it's interesting that we have two people here. You have Peter who stands up and preaches, and you have Judas who bows down. We have Peter who stands up to preach, and we have Judas who succumbs to his addictions. We have Peter whose his repentance leads to forgiveness, and we have Judas whose repentance leads to guilt. You see, Judas came before the people and gave the money back. He's like, man... I recognize what I've done. Look, when you do something like this, it's a recognition of, look, I, I, I handed over the king of kings. He showed up in person like this guy was not lying. He died on the cross and raised from the dead. Jesus is the king of kings, and I sold him out for a couple bucks. Like, he repents. But you see, the difference is a lot of times people recognize that what they're doing is not right, but it leads to guilt instead of forgiveness. God has forgiven Peter. But Judas lives in guilt. Two guys, Peter stands up and Judas takes his life. Verse 18, now this man acquired a field with his unrighteous wages. He fell head first, his body burst open and his intestines spilled out. Now we don't exactly know how he he acquired this field, right? Because he gave the money back. So did the people he gave it back to buy the field and then he die in the field? Or did he buy the field before he gave the money back? Sort of unclear, not the point of the text though. What is the point of the text? The point of the text is that Judas died in what he was addicted to. Judas would not give up his addiction to money. You see, he was the guy that would take care of the money with the disciples. He was the guy that would watch over the money. And he's the guy that sent, uh, they gave up Jesus for money, right? And ultimately, all that money and all that addiction and all that craving of something else led to him to the point where he was in a field of blood is what it says. In verse 19, it says, This became known to all the residents of Jerusalem so that in their own language, that field is called Hakodama, that is, field of blood. He literally died into his passions and addictions, his desires, his sin, his evil. He died into it, and Peter stands up in the midst of it, and he's like, I know Jesus, the man raised from the dead. That's why he stands there, right? Judas sees that Jesus is alive. Peter sees that Jesus is alive. Man, I hope today that because of Jesus' life, you'll find life, not death. I hope you'll find freedom and forgiveness, not guilt and shame. I hope that you won't be like Judas and give up. I hope you'll be like Peter and stand strong. It had to be somewhat humbling for the same man who rejected Jesus three times to stand in front of the same group of people that would have known it. 120 people Who are you to stand up, Peter, right? I mean, come on, weren't you the guy that rejected him, Peter? Why not John? Why not let John stand up and preach? Peter, on you, I will, I mean, why did Jesus choose Peter? I think part of it might have been this. Peter went from rejection to forgiveness to leadership. I think we need to see that if you're in here today and you feel like you've struggled in your life, if you feel like you've rejected Jesus at any point, if you feel like you've denied Jesus, if you feel like you've had a craving like Judas did, I think God can still use you. I think we need to see that today. 
Now, that doesn't let us off the hook. I want you to see this. Verse 20, for it is written in the book of Psalms, let his dwelling become desolate, let no one live in it, and let someone else take his position. Like, Judas gave it away. He gave away the opportunity to be part of the greatest movement in history. He gave it up for the things of this world. Like, we, we can see the two. We, we shouldn't just let ourselves become Judas, but at the same time, we should recognize that we can be Peter. Like you have, to, you have to choose the route that you're going to go upon. Am I going to live in forgiveness or am I going to live in guilt? Am I going to give this away? God, this is what I've done. Here it is. I can't claim it. I can't hold it. I can't bear it. God, here it is. And live like Peter, standing up in front of the people to lead. You know, I, I hope that you and your own leadership in life, your discipleship efforts and how you invest in others. I hope that you'll be like Peter and not Judas, because here, here's something that happens here. You got 12 disciples, and all 12 of them have the opportunity to go making disciples. Here's what they can do. They can give away leadership. They can say, look, man, you're doing a great job at this. I want you to keep doing this. Like, take it away. Go. Preach the gospel. Go. Peter was able to lead up Mark, who wrote the gospel of Mark, right? He was able to invest in the next generation because he's stuck in the fight, because he's stuck with it, because he found forgiveness instead of guilt. Judas gave away his opportunity. It says, it says at the end of verse 20, and let someone else take his position. What happened here was Judas gave away his opportunity to raise up the next generation by falling into his guilt, shame, and addictions. The next generation needs you. Your children need you. Their children need you. The next generation after that and the next generation after that. They need you to step up and say, I'm Peter, not Judas. I'll find victory, not defeat. I'm going to stand firm in the calling that God has given me right now, not in the mistakes I made in my past. I'm going to stand up. You see, Judas gave away his opportunity, but the other 11 disciples had the opportunity. What will you choose? You see, we can give up the opportunity to lead the next generation through death. We can give up the opportunity to lead the next generation by simply not being obedient to God. There are multiple different ways you can give up the, the opportunity to lead the next generation. Will you be Peter or will you be Judas? Verse 21, therefore, from among the men who have accompanied us during the whole time, the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day he was taken up from us. From among these, it is necessary that one become a witness with us in, of his resurrection. So they proposed two, Joseph called Bersabbas, who is also known as Justice, and Matthias. I mean, look at the situations going on right here. Okay, Judas, you gave up your opportunity. We're going to bring in somebody else because why? The church doesn't stop. God's plan from Israel, 12 tribes, now 12 apostles. It's not going to end just because there's only 11. God's going to keep raising up the next generation of disciples and the next generation of disciples. It's not going to end because one person bows out. Like you may struggle, you may be frustrated, you may look around in this room and there may be somebody in this room who's going to bow out. They were following after Jesus and they're just kind of like, I'm done with that. Look, it's, first of all, it's not over for them because they could be like Peter and come back, right? Second of all, we're going to see this happen and there's going to be other people who are coming in because God's not finished. God's plan is not over. God is not going to end there. So when he says, this is so funny because you got two people who are called out of the crowd of 120 or so. And you just think about that moment. They're like, they're sitting out there and I can just imagine in their heads like, okay, don't call me. 
Like, <laughs> I know what those disciples are going through. I know what they're going to go through. Like, I don't want to be a part of that. I, it's not in the text, but I could just imagine. I mean, if, if you're sitting out there today, you're in this room today, and I say to you, we're going to go make disciples, and I don't know what it's going to cost you. Is there anybody out there who's just hesitant, just like, man, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I'm ready. I don't know if I'm, I don't even know if I'm willing. I don't know if I'm able. Like there's a ton of people who are sitting in this room. Imagine these people who are out there and the greatest plea, like I've said, the greatest plea of the disciples is this, the guy before you died, so I need another one. Like the guy before you couldn't do it. And by the way, I didn't want to do it either. I said, I'm not gonna go with you to Jerusalem. Jesus, you're gonna die on a cross? No, 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 I'm in this for the gain. I'm in this for the status. You think about this. Judas wanted status. He wanted money. He wanted a position. When Jesus went to the cross, he thought he was gonna lose it. So what does he do? He sells Jesus out for the money he could get, right? Let me get what I can get from this man. Let me get whatever I can to shake out of Jesus so I can get some kind of status. But in the end, verse 21 says, he's going to give up that status to somebody else. So what he sought, he actually lost. And literally, he lost it into death in a field. He sought out money, and the same money he sought out actually ended his life. Peter. Didn't Peter also seek out gain, though? Even James and John. Weren't they all just looking for status? Like, where am I going to sit? Am I going to be on your right or left? Like, what are you going to give me? How am I going to lead with you? What, what is this going to, you're going to take the throne. You're going to be the king over all this thing. And you're going to store, even their first questions we talked about last week is like, hey, when are you restoring Israel? Like, they still want it. Like, they're still longing for that. Peter's looking for that status. And it's like, whew. calm down, Peter. So what are we calling Matthias to? What are we calling Barsabbas to? A life of discipleship, which means a potential death and a potential of going into all the nations. This was like them giving up their life to follow after Jesus. It says in verse 24, you, Lord, know everyone's hearts. Show which of these two you have chosen. Look, if it weren't for verse 24, 25 and 26 would be really weird. But 24 give us a lot of clarity here. You know everyone's heart. Show which of these two you have chosen. Look, discipleship, following after God's plan and will, church life, an unstoppable church is literally about, God, let me give over my preferences. Let me give over my will and God, you give it to me. Whatever you want, we will do, not what we want. But what does that look like practically? Like, how do you do that? These guys were literally giving up human preference and giving up human chance. They were giving up everything so that they could find God's direction. I think what we need to learn from verses 25 and 26 is not how to cast lots or roll dice or figure out how we can make decisions that kind of are based on luck. Because for me, like casting lots, I'm like, man, that's kind of a chance-based thing. What they were doing is they were saying, if Peter wants Bersabbas and James or John wants Matthias, we're not going to let their preferences get in the way. What does God want? So the question for us today is not how to cast lots or how to do it appropriately or anything like that. The question today is how do we make a decision that is led by God? How do we set out plans that are led by God? Church decisions, we, we make church decisions all the time, right? Uh, some of these, uh, most of these are done by vote, right? So church business meetings, you vote. Admin team meetings, you vote. We just, we kind of vote. Uh, um, 
the early church and the Old Testament, they cast lots. We saw, we see it in Nehemiah, Isaiah, Exodus, Leviticus. It's in Jonah. You remember they cast lots to see which one of the ones they should throw over the boat. Like they cast lots all throughout the Old Testament. Even in Proverbs 16:33, it says, it says the lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. So like the God was using this to bring about his plan. Even when we feel like man's plans are getting in the way, God can use Peter. God can use casting lots. And so let me go back to this. How do we make a decision that brings glory to verse 24? Or they are all praying this together. You, Lord, know everyone's hearts. Show which of these two you have chosen. Look, I don't, I don't know how you, I don't know if you're going to a mountaintop or getting in a boat or praying in your closet, or you have a quiet place in a field, or maybe it's at work somewhere. I don't know where you meet with the Lord and what you do necessarily, but give it over to God and say, God, my prayer time is to discover your will. When I'm seeking you, I'm discovering, that's what they're doing here. God, we're gonna cast lots, but it's ultimately, God, you show us what you want. Isn't it when we vote, we are saying, we are affirming that this is God's will? We recently voted Pastor Bill as our, past, as one of our, as our family pastor here at WBC. What we were voting to say is, Pastor Bill is God's will for this church. They were casting lots to say it's God's will that Matthias ultimately be the disciple, the apostle that fulfills Judas' role. So the question is not kind of what we're doing here. The question is, are we doing it with the right motives? Are we doing this to rely on God's direction or for human's preference? Verse 25 says, to take the place in this apostolic ministry that Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots for them, and the lot fell to Matthias, and he was added to, a, to the 11 apostles. Again, I know this is sort of strange. They're casting lots for them and all those different things. But at the end of the day, here's what they were doing. They were seeking God's will, not man's. And I think that is what the difference is between Peter and Judas. I think that's really where we get down to the heart of it. You look at Judas and he sought out everything he could do to get his own, his money and all these different things. And at the end of the day, he's found unsuccessful and he takes his life. Peter seeks out the things of this world, seeks out himself, 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 what works best for him. And then at the end of the day, he finds himself unsuccessful and rather than giving up, he says, if I can't do it, maybe the guy who died on the cross and raised from the dead can. I think that's the difference. And it lives out in their actions and in their planning and in their decision-making. It just lives out in them. Now, I think the cool part of this is this. This is this is kind of a demonstration of what it looks like to, to, to live seeking out God's affirmation and God's direction, all these different things. The next thing that takes place in Acts, God sends the Holy Spirit into them. I think the beauty of the New Testament church is this, God's wisdom and direction lives in you. The Holy Spirit is in you, giving you direction for what you should do in your life, giving you the strength to do it. What you need to accomplish what God has called you to do is in you. Uh, as we say at this church, I can't give you 12 steps to make your life better, but I can tell you this. If you believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit will be in you and he will guide you. So as we see them casting lots, they're seeking out God's will. My encouragement to you today is this. The Holy Spirit lives in you. Seeking God's will is seeking what God is doing within you. Seeking out what the Holy Spirit is teaching you. Seeking out God's word and how it influences your actions and your plans and your daily life. 
So what does this mean to us? I think it means three things. First, our addictions will consume us. Our addictions will consume us. Just like Judas, if we let it, they will consume us to the point of death. In fact, they want you to get to the point of death. If you've been here for any length of time, we know the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He is fighting against you. If you see death and destruction out there, it makes sense because it's what the devil wants. It's what our enemy wants. When we see Judas go to his point of death in the field of blood, when we see that take place, that is what the devil wants. He wants your addictions. He wants your guilt. He wants your pain to lead you into the field of blood. But Peter, Peter stands up because his failure leads to forgiveness, because Jesus' victory leads to forgiveness. The second thing is this. Our status will be passed on. That's a, both a good thing and a negative thing sometimes because your role, what you are in, if you're, if you're not using it in a biblical way, in the right way, it will be passed on because you lose it. But it can also be passed on in a good way. God, I recognize, I mean, literally, I recognize that I am not going to be the pastor of this church forever. In fact, my predecessor is sitting right back here. We recognize, and he's passed on so gently and graciously, the lead pastor role to me. And one day I will do the same. I will pass that on to someone else. And in God's grace, he will continue this church, not by our own strength and might, but by his plan. Look, God's church is unstoppable, not because of me or Pastor Larry, but because of the Holy Spirit working in us and through us to bring about the, think about it, his church didn't end. He continued it by bringing in Matthias to continue that movement with 120 people. And now it's billions of people worldwide following after Jesus, even to the point of death, 100 to 200,000 people die every year for following after Jesus. Our status will be passed on. Every generation will pass it to the next generation and to the next generation and to the next generation, just like the first 120 did. How will you? Dads and moms, your children are the next Brothers and sisters, if there's someone younger than you or older than you who needs to be invested in, it is your responsibility and opportunity. It is the blessing from the Lord to be able to pour in them, to invest in them as the next generation. Our status will be passed on. Will you be like Peter and have the opportunity to choose who you do it to? Or you be like Judas and other people choose it for you? Be intentional. Don't give up your opportunity to be mom, to be dad, to be the disciple maker. Take it seriously and fight for it. Third, God's plans are unstoppable. Despite your failures, despite your defeats, despite when you struggle, and despite casting lots, God can work in the midst of it all. He will work in Peter's life, who rejected Jesus three, time, three times, and I believe he will work in yours. If you feel like today you've gone too far or you've struggled too much, remember Peter. There is opportunity for forgiveness. Remember David. Peter, in his first of 12 to 16 sermons in Acts, quotes David. Is there anybody who's fallen further than David? God can restore you. So as you walk away today, I want to give you three challenges for this week. 
First, recognizing that the church is unstoppable. Will you, be become, will you become part of the church? I'm talking about the global church. Will you become part of the global church or this local church? If you've never been baptized, we'd love to baptize you into the global church. If you've never partaken in the Lord's Supper, we'd love to baptize you so you can preach that ongoing through the Lord's Supper. And if you've never been part of a local church or you're interested in what a local church looks like, I'd love to show you what it means to be a part of a vision and a mission that matters. Values and a pastors and staff members and interns and a membership that matters, that has value. We are going to encourage our people to do two things, be in strong community and serve God's kingdom in here and out there. We are going to keep our people accountable to these two things because we believe that committing to God's mission is valuable. So first, God's church is unstoppable. It won't stop. It will continue despite me and despite you and despite our struggles. It will continue no matter what happens. My question to you is, are you a part of it? Are you a part of the unstoppable church? And second, will you give your plans to God? There's, there, you, I know you're in here struggling with what you should do with direction. Somebody's in here struggling. I don't know where I'm supposed to go. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Will you give that to the Lord? God, whatever you want, you tell me. Give it over to him. And then third, will you trust in Jesus? As the band comes... We're going to have deacons kind of placed around and some ladies as well placed around to pray with you. And if you want to pray, pray, we're going to kind of move you to the back because it is kind of loud up front. So we'll kind of move to the back. We just want to pray for you. Uh, there are going to be people up here who just want to pray over you. And if you're not comfortable now, come to me after this service and I'd love to talk with you. I want to talk with, with you about Jesus who lived a life we couldn't live. He lived perfect. Why, why did Jesus come to this earth? Because I couldn't live perfect and he can. He came to rescue me despite my failures. Why did Jesus die on the cross? Because I couldn't die on a cross perfect. I could not die a perfect death and take the sins of the world on me. Jesus had to do it. I could not do it. You could not do it. We could not continue to live. We had to die. So Jesus comes and dies for us, why? Because in the tomb, when everyone else thought there was defeat, there was victory. When Jesus overcame the grave and he raised from the dead, there is victory. And because Jesus came and lived for you, and because Jesus came and died for you, and because Jesus raised for you, you can have life despite death. And you can raise from the dead. That's my Jesus. So if you want to believe in Jesus, if you want to trust in Jesus, I'd love to talk to you more about what that looks like. If you want to become part of this church, if you want to be baptized, I'd love to talk to you about what that looks like. After this service, I will be available right now. There will be deacons and ladies around the room to talk to you and pray for you. I'm gonna pray for you right now, but I, I, I wanna encourage you in this and just close your eyes and I'm, I'm, I'm as well. I just wanna encourage you in this. Like the disciples, the apostles, the 120 who are around in the upper room, like them, just take a moment to pray. God, what do you want? Ask this. God, what are your plans for my life? Or God, what are the comforts I'm holding on to? Or maybe you're in this room and you say, God, I need 
freedom from my past so that I can have forgiveness in the future. Maybe you're in this room just wondering, God, what, what's my next step? What am I supposed to do? Just listen. Father, speak. We are here. Teach us, guide us as you will. We trust you and praise you in your son's name. Amen.
Amen. Remember, you're sitting in the midst of darkness to light it up. I pray you have a great week. If you're here for the first time and I haven't got to know you, I'd love to get to know you. I will be outside in the Discipleship Hub. Just walk right out. Look at the pallet wood. I'm going to be in there. I'd love to talk to you if you want to take another step in discipleship, whether that's uh, a baptism or joining a local church to be part of the mission and vision with that church. Uh, or placing your faith in Jesus or whatever that looks like, leading a D group, we'd love to talk to you. I will be outside in the Discipleship Hub out there. Have a great week. Remember, if you're sitting in the midst of darkness, light it up. Have a great week. You have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more about following after Jesus, uh, please contact us and we would love to talk more about your relationship with Christ and how you can grow in your spiritual journey.